Hey, this is Carrie Peters and Stacey Morgenstern. And welcome to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast, where we're here to question how we do life because the normal rules no longer apply. Hey guys, Hannah Duncan here from the Dream Team, welcoming you to another episode of Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. This week, we are joined by certified public accountant and holistic health coach, Allison Castle. She is going to give us some tips on the dreaded T word, you know, taxes. But before we begin, I wanted to share one of my favorite inspirational moments from HCI Live. It features health coach and dream team success coach, Vanessa Brewers. Our next live event is coming up, so make sure to reserve your ticket at www.hcilive.com slash social. Take it away, Vanessa. Hi, I'm Vanessa Brewers, and my health coaching practice is called Sweat and Butter. And (laughs) I've always been a women's weight loss coach, and more recently I've started working with weight loss coaches who struggle with their own weight so that they can feel great in their bodies and feel confident to work with their clients. Um, And through both my weight loss coaching coaching and my women's coaching, my emphasis is on fun. Have fun in the process. Like it's drives me crazy how not fun that process can be. (laughs) It's like mental torture and uh, it doesn't have to be. So in my practice, I say, if you're trying to lose weight and you're not having fun, then you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So you came to us about a year, year and a half ago, and you were working a whole lot at that time. Oh my God. Can yeah. you tell us a Life little bit about before that? HMPA. <laughs> um, I, I, sort of, I recently said to Stacy, um, when I started at HMBA, I was at rock bottom, and now I'm sort of at like glass ceiling, and I'm trying to like get through that. <laughs> um, but I was working between like 80 and 100 hours a week. I was waiting tables, I was teaching fitness classes, and I was wherever else I could fit it, working on my business. Um, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning, teaching back-to-back fitness classes, coming home, taking a shower. I didn't have a car, so I biked everywhere, and I live in Pittsburgh, so negative 13 degrees, biking at five o'clock in the morning. Um, Nothing to let you know more that your life needs a change. (laughs) And um, I was, and I would get up and I would work on my business for two hours and then go wait tables for 12 hours and then maybe do a coaching session somewhere in there and literally getting to work, putting on my apron and sobbing in the bathroom for like as long as I could get away with and then being like, here's your pizza. (laughs) I was stressed, exhausted, totally hopeless and making, between all that work, like $2,200 a month. So I know math isn't our strong suit, but we can all agree that that's a really shitty hourly wage. (laughs) We can agree. Um, So what happened joining, you joined HMBA, and what's happened for you? What does your life and business look like? Yeah, um, when I started, like, even the idea of investing, like, $150 was impossible, It was not even like, it was like ridiculous. Like, no, I can't spend that money on my business. And I was terrified to tell Siba that I was even thinking about it. Like we never had that conversation, so I didn't know. And he was away for work and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. Like, I'm just gonna do it and then tell him later. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, you know, if if you think that's a good investment, then you should do it. And um, 
it was great. I mean, it was worth it and it was awesome. And Well, I think one of the things that you shared with me was actually when you went and told him that you kind of had a plan, like you had yeah. figured out how many clients at what rate was going to earn back your investment. Right, yeah. So um, when I went to invest in the grad program, it was it was more, and so I was like, all right, I, I have to make this happen. Like, I'd already experienced awesome changes. I was convinced. I was sold. And so I, when I went to see by that time, I was like, okay, here's the deal. Here's what it costs. At the time, I was charging $450 for a three-month program, and I was like, I just need, like, one-ish client a month, and I can make this work. And I, I just dove in on that. I was like, I have to do that. So what does your business look like now and what, what's going on? Yeah. What are well, the good things? So part of why, why I wanted to come here is also because April is a one-month anniversary of me quitting that waitressing job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I ex- like quit on accident, actually. I just showed up one day and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so my business now, I mean, I'm here with... Siba, you met him on stage, and I have about 25-ish clients that I work with every week, some one-on-one and some in groups. Um, I'm making around 8,500 a month, although February did a $12,000 month, so it was very cool. And Um, what what made the difference between 8,500 a month and then last month, 12,000? I really think it was, well, I, I added more groups, and so, like, I had this, like, base that I wasn't having to, like, sign as many clients because I just had this ongoing group, so I had more, like, a continued income. It wasn't, like, every month starting over for new clients. And then I raised my prices. I raised my fees, so that was helpful. And I did, I, I like public speaking, and so I, I realized that the more public speaking I do, the more clients I get. So it was, like, do what works. Um, and in August or um, for our second anniversary we're going to Bali and I'm pushing for Australia too for at least a month um, to just go and shut off and enjoy it were you able to do that when you were working at your 100-hour-a-week um, job, like something like that? Could you? you know, I still squeezed out a couple weeks here and there, but it was a lot harder and a lot more stressful. Um, it's certainly not like the type of vacations that we take now. Yeah. 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 It's totally different. What is your current growing edge? Um, my current growing edge is recognizing that even though, so when Summer spoke earlier and said, I had $100,000 a month, I immediately thought, oh man, I suck. <laughs> no, I, I'm, so, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> um, but that like self-comparison, you know, like you're so proud of yourself until you hear about someone else who's doing better. <laughs> and then you're like, now I'm not doing great anymore. And just that like where you are is awesome. It doesn't matter that like you're not in a phase five or, where, or, or making a certain amount, that where you are is perfect and so great for where you are. And so accepting that makes everything easier. So that's my leaning edge. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. What advice do you have for them? You have to do it. <laughs> you have to. You have to do it. <laughs> and you can afford it. Like, I, if you're thinking right now, I can't, you're wrong. Like, you just can. You can make it happen. And as soon as you make that investment, 
everything changes, even before the classes start. Just making the investment or making the decision to make the investment. Mm. Energetically, like Rachel was saying, like your clients start coming. Like it's just opens up an energy for money to flow in that, that isn't there when you say no. And if I could do it, you can do it. And as soon as you make that decision, the energy changes and then you get the practical tools to make the money come in. And, and yeah, you just have to do it. You have to. <laughs> Thank and if you. I can just share yeah. one little more tip. Of course. Um, two. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> um, if there's something I wish I would have done earlier, like way, way earlier, it was work on my money mindset. Mm. Because everything is easier when your money mindset is different. Like even if someone's literally showing you the roadmap and you have money stuff going on in the background, you like can't hear it or, or really process it. But once the money stuff is gone, the information lands and you can actually do what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> what we're taught to do. Um, and then the second shift that I wanted to share, because I know what you're going on right now is like really mastering the closing the deal conversation. Um, and something that really helped me because I panicked in that closing the deal conversation right before the money part um, is that as soon as that person says yes to your closing the deal conversation, they are your client mm. already. Whether they continue working with you or not, they're already your client. And if you can engage with them that way, then the result is almost always yes. And if it isn't, then that's also okay. Woo! That's a great tip. holistic health coach and certified public accountant, Allison Castle from Castle Health Coach. She is going to give us a few tips and tricks to help with the dreaded tax season as a small business owner. So hello, Allison. Thank you for joining us again today. Some of you may recognize her voice. In episode two, she was featured sharing her turning point and she's one of our HMBA graduate students. Hi, Allison. How are you? Hi, I am great. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for hopping on and helping us with this topic today. You know, I personally don't know a whole lot about filing taxes, especially as a small business owner. So I think this will be helpful for me as well as all of our new students and older students who are coming on this like fastly approaching day where they need to have all of this turned in. Allison, in your accounting days, what were the five biggest mistakes you would see small business owners make when filing their taxes? Um, well, I would say number one is not knowing what form you need to file and what due date you need to follow. So this very much depends on what type of entity a person decides to become. For me, I can tell you, I personally decided to become an LLC and that's a limited liability company. And I did my process through LegalZoom.com. And that's a nice thing to use. Um, it gets through your state requirements as well, because different states have different legal requirements when you come to creating an entity. But a lot of people just starting out, a lot of times we're just a sole proprietor as well. So typically the form you would use is called a Schedule C. And it's on your individual tax form anyway. So it's on your, it's a part of your 1040. 
So what's really nice about that is that you don't have to file a separate tax return. It's all due at the same time, April 15th. That would be number one, is making sure you know what form to file. And for most people, it will be a Schedule C. When you're in the small business area, as you grow, you may change and evolve into a different type of entity. But for most of us, just starting out is a Schedule C. So when I'm going to talk about some of my other tips, um, I'm going to talk about it as if we are scheduling, uh, doing a Schedule C. Number two, the mistake that I see a lot is people do start filing a Schedule C as their own business. One thing you have to take into consideration is that you're no longer an employee of somebody else. And since you're running your own business, you have to take into consideration if you make income, If you have net income, so over $400, you may be subject to what is called self-employment tax. And self-employment tax is essentially Social Security and Medicare that typically would have been taken out of your paycheck. Um, So if you make net income for your business, that'll show up as an extra tax that you have to pay. And for some people, that's a surprise because when you do work for somebody else, Um, those taxes are taken out of your check. And sometimes you don't really even think about it because you just get your net check. But those are taxes that you'll be responsible for paying when you do make income on your own small business. And just another step further on that, it's sometimes a good idea once you start really making an income in your business, you know, if you're being very consistent in your income, you might want to consider paying estimated taxes quarterly. And that would be throughout the year, every quarter, And that would be to cover those self-employment taxes that would show up on your tax return. And that's a really good way to do it. So then you're planning, you don't have this big tax due, you know, when you file your tax return, because that can also result in some penalties and interest because the IRS will say, oh, you knew you were making income throughout the year, but you didn't pay us in any taxes throughout the year. That's one way to avoid taxes and penalties once you start making income from your business. Probably the third thing I see as a mistake that when small businesses come in is commingling business and personal financials. You know, you don't have to have a separate checking account. You don't have to have a separate credit card for your business and your personal, but it's a really good idea too. And if you don't really, really track what's personal and what's business, because that can lead to either deducting too much, deducting things that aren't really business expenses. It can also lead to deducting too little. You know, if you put some stuff on a credit card, some's business, some is personal, and you don't realize it, you know, you may be missing some of those deductions that you could otherwise take. Um, It can also result in recording too little income. You know, a lot of times uh, the IRS obviously is very interested in us recording all of our income. You know, that's a very big focus. They want all that income in there. So if you're having commingling of your personal and your business money, that can be a challenge. So a lot of that goes into the organization and tracking. So that's very important. Probably the fourth mistake that I see is people not recognizing what their state and local tax laws are, because that's just as important as your federal tax laws. Some states don't have income tax at all, and there's just a few of them. So make sure you know your state requirements. Also make sure you know in your state, whether your business um, is subject to sales tax or not. That's another thing outside of, you know, our annual tax return, 
in Iowa, where I am, um, I am not subject to sales tax because health coaching is considered a service. However, if I was selling a product along with my service, you know, whether it be maybe a supplement or something to that effect, that I would have to check into the rules because there may be sales tax applicable to the product that I was selling. So make sure you know your state and your local laws. So what you're saying is all our health coaches should move to Iowa. (laughs) Yes. If you don't want to pay sales tax, (laughs) however, we do have income tax. So (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a trade-off. So you never, and there are different, um, different rates in each state too. That's definitely something to keep in mind. And I'd say mistake number five I see is not seeking out professional assistance or professional advice. Um, You know, you can do things by yourself for a while and do pretty well, but tax law is complex. And I highly recommend if you have any questions, really seek out some professional advice. In my past experience, I've seen clients that have gone it on their own for several, several years, and we've ended up amending all those years of tax returns because there were things that were missed. Sometimes it was to the taxpayer's advantage, sometimes not. You know, seeking professional advice is one way to make sure it's getting done right. And it'll help you avoid, you know, that dreaded IRS contact audits, those type of things. Ah, yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guilty of that. I, for a long time, was very stubborn and thought that I wanted to do it all on my own. And I ended up paying out way more than I ever needed to. And when I finally buckled down and saw professional, they were like, what are you doing? You, Here's all these things that you've missed. And they were able to save me a lot of money. So I will, I will agree to that. Go see somebody sooner rather than later. Yes, definitely. <laughs> What are five tips you can give to small business owners to help them successfully file their taxes this season? Okay, my tips. Tip number one, and I have to say this is absolutely the most important tip, in my opinion. Be organized. Whether you prepare, decide to prepare your tax returns yourself using whatever, you know, free product or, um, you know, a TurboTax or something to that effect, be organized. Um, it saves you time, it saves you headache, it saves you money. Because if you, even if you're going to a, a professional preparer, the more organized you are, the less time it's going to take them to sort through all of your, whether you have receipts or you have spreadsheets, however you decide to organize, the more organized you are, the better it's going to be. Um, and I think for the rest of the tips, I'm going to talk a little bit about deductions because this is something you know, maybe we're missing deductions that we can take. And sometimes it's an interesting gray area and we think, oh, maybe that's not really deductible, but it really can be. And it does save you some tax dollars. So there are some deductions that are pretty obvious. You know, if you're renting a space for your business, yes, that's deductible. You know, if you have insurance for your business, specifically for your business, Yes, that is deductible. Advertising for your business, um, supplies related to your business, those type of things that are directly related to your business, those hopefully will be pretty obvious that they're allowed to be deducted. Um, Deductions have to be reasonable and necessary for your business. So some deductions are maybe not as obvious. So I'm going to talk about those for some of my other tips here. So let's talk about for tip number two, um, your office and home. So many of us as small business owners, we work out of our home. 
And that is great, but it can get a little complex. And the IRS has actually done a really nice thing, and they have a simplified method um, of deducting your office and home now. And so you can make a decision on whether you want to do um, the more simplified method or the more complex method. So the simplified method is just this. You have to have a space in your home that is specifically dedicated to your business. It can be the corner of a room, but it cannot be used for anything else. You know, some may argue, well, I just have one computer in the house. And so, you know, my husband uses it or, you know, my spouse, my kids use it too. So that would be a hard argument to say that that space was specifically and only for your business if other members of the family are using it. Let's focus on it's a dedicated space just for your business. So what you want to do is take the square footage of that space and it is the square feet times $5. That's the ultimate simplified method that the IRS allows you to use. Now you can get into a more complex method where you're really looking at specific expenses. So in that space, you'll again use the square footage of the space that you're using but you'll divide it by the square footage of your whole house and you'll get a percentage. So what's really interesting is that percentage can be used. You can deduct a percentage of your utilities, a percentage of your property taxes, a percentage of your mortgage. So things that are related to your whole house, you can take a percentage of. And then you can take direct expenses 100%. Um, let's see if you do a specific repair to that specific room or that specific space in your house that you can do 100%. So there are two different methods for office and home. One's definitely more complex. And in the complex method, you can also run into um, depreciation, which is another crazy accounting concept that I would highly recommend you use a professional for if you're doing the more complex method of office and home. But the simplified method, really easy, gets you a little bit of a deduction. So it's a really nice option, especially if you're doing more of your own preparation. But that is a deduction that you can take that sometimes we don't think about. Um, the next deduction that sometimes people are a little gray on is travel. I think especially with us being health coaches, when we go to our like HCI Live, for example, or HMBA retreats, those travel expenses can be deducted. So like our air travel and our hotel, those can be deducted. Meals, those we can take 50%. 50% of our meals can be deducted. So that's really nice. So some of that travel can be deducted. Another part, piece of the travel is um, mileage. So mileage, since we have, let's, let's say that we have an office in our home and we're traveling to go give a talk wherever we're traveling, maybe it's 15, 15 miles away. That travel to our talk and home again, so say example, 30 miles, we can take that 30 miles times the IRS allowed rate for mileage. In 2016, it was 54 cents a mile. In 2017, it's 53.5 cents a mile. And they change that every year. And that's sometimes dependent on um, gas prices as different fluctuations. We can keep track of our mileage when we travel from our home office to other places that we're going to do business and back. And that's another deduction that, you know, that can easily get messed. And it also requires organization and tracking. That's great. I bet a lot of people don't realize that 
Yeah. So hopefully that'll help people a lot because that's a really good one, um, you know, to use because that can definitely save you some money, you know, when it comes to tax time. So the fourth one, you know, some expenses, we talked about the commingling of business and personal, but some expenses really can be used for both. So let's think about maybe your cell phone. You know, a lot of us maybe use our cell phone to talk to our clients, um, but we also use it for personal use. If you, again, are really good at record keeping, you can figure out what percentage of cell phone usage you use for your business and what you use for personal. And you can take that percentage that's used for business as a deduction. Just again, make sure you have good records. That's key, key, you know, keep good records. This can also, you think about um, maybe your internet usage. You know, if you have internet in your home, yeah, some of it probably is used for personal use. But if you can figure out how to show the percentage used for business, and again, keep good records of business use, you know, you can deduct some of your internet costs. So things like that, that you can use for business and personal, just again, make sure you keep really good records. The other expense I want to talk about, and this is the last thing I'll talk about, and these are just kind of fun ones I want to add in just to get you thinking like once your business starts growing, because these are super fun ones that I, I didn't even know about some of these. So, okay. One thing, so some of us, if you pay health insurance on your own, you know, if, if you're married and your spouse has an insurance plan through their work, sometimes we end up, you know, joining their plan. However, that if that's not the case and you have your own insurance, that can be deductible too on your tax return. And if for my personal use, myself and my children, we have our own separate insurance policy and my husband's on his own at work. I put my and my children's insurance, I can deduct on my business tax return. And that's because it's an after-tax amount. So when you get in health insurance, typically from a bit, your employer, usually it's a pre-tax. So you get to deduct that insurance on it goes through your W-2 and it's really nice because you save the tax when you're an employee. So when you have insurance on your own, you're usually paying for the premiums with after-tax dollars. So that's why it's allowed to be deducted from your business. And that gets more complex. So that's, again, some of these last ones are ones that if you have any questions, seek some professional advice. Another one is once you grow and get bigger, you can set up a retirement plan for yourself just like you would be able to get from an employer. So that's another really cool thing to consider as your business grows. Um, and my last fun tip, which I love the most because I'm a parent, you can actually hire your children to help you. So what a cool way to get, give them allowance, right? Yeah. <laughs> and get a deduction at the same time. Yeah, you totally can. Yep, you can hire your children as employees. And what's cool is if they're under 17, you don't have to pay them like this is social security and Medicare. You don't have to worry about that part of it. So you don't have to pay for their social security and Medicare if they're under 17. So essentially you can write off their allowance. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. And then you have to actually give them a job. You know, you have yep. to give them something to do. They have to have a job of some sort, you know, whatever you can think of. Um, like for my kids, I'm like, well, I'll take them to my presentations and they can help me. Like I make my son film my presentations. And then my daughter's like my assistant. She hands out, hands out things to the people in the audience. So you can think of creative ways to get your children involved in your business and pay them some money. And then it's awesome and benefits them too. They get that money. And actually what you can do too, this is even a further side note. Um, once your children earn money, 
they can set up their own retirement accounts. Like you can start a Roth IRA for them as long as they're earning income and they can contribute to their future too. So it's like kind of awesome all the way around. That's great. It's like a family activity that they also benefit from. Awesome. I know that tip. (laughs) Yeah. So those are just fun extra things to think about. Like I said, tax law gets super duper complex. So, you know, once you start getting to that level where you're thinking of some of those things like the health insurance and the retirement plans and hiring your children, that's definitely where I'd say, you know, make sure you're seeking out some professional assistance and setting some of those things up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we've learned is stay organized. And if you have questions, seek a professional. For uh, sure. <laughs> well, I, Allison, I know you're a health coach, a holistic health coach as well. So this season is really stressful and I especially feel it. This is my first year filing with a spouse I've mm. so got a lot of anxiety and I'm nervous about things. Do you have any Zen tips or tricks to help with the stress of filing taxes as a holistic health coach? Yes. For one thing, breathe. Got it. Okay. <laughs> five, five, seven breath comes in real handy during this time of year. <laughs> breathe and relax and know that, you know, it, it's, it's okay. You know, there are people out there that can help you and if you make a minor mistake, if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You are allowed to amend your tax return. You know, if something comes up and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally missed this and you're afraid you're going to get in trouble. Um, you know, you want to avoid the IRS communication, the IRS audits, things like that. But for the most part, if you're an honest, good person, it's, it's really not that big of a deal and things are fixable. Or I like, as Carrie and Stacey say, like, everything is figure outable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything, it, it'll all work. It's okay. Even if you don't know the how, it'll happen. My biggest tip is stay organized and start right away. You know, we're a couple months into 17 already, but start getting your 17 records. Like, keep them organized as you go throughout the year. Don't wait until April 1st. And try to scramble to get all your receipts and everything together to file by April 15th. Start right now. You know, whether you do it um, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever suits you. But don't try to do 12 months all at once. You know, keep your receipts, keep your records. Um, The organization, it, it really will reduce your stress. And it's really good to know what's going on in your business anyway. You know, so that's a really good tip anyway, just to see how you're doing in your business. It'll make you feel better at tax time and throughout the whole year. One tip that, you know, whether you like using spreadsheets or handwritten documents, whatever you like to do to organize, I use a software and actually the version that I have is called Microsoft Money, but it is now called Money Plus Sunset, but it's a Microsoft product. And it's essentially like a check register, but you can categorize each of your deposit items or your expense items. And that's really nice because then you can get a report at any point, you know, but especially during tax time at the end of the year and all your expenses will be classified for you. You know, so all those supplies that you buy throughout the year, all those items will already all be totaled and summed for you. So it's really about, you know, keeping organized throughout the whole year. And what was the name of that program again? Just in case. It's called Money Plus Sunset. 
is what it's called now. It used to be called Microsoft Money. There are tons of other options, you know, software options you can look at. You know, some people in my, when I was in doing tax returns more frequently, a lot of people go to like a QuickBooks or a Quicken type of software. For a very small starting out business owner, QuickBooks is probably more than what you need. I would say if you start out with something that's more similar to like the Money Plus Sunset or even just doing an Excel spreadsheet, you know, if, if you're comfortable with that type of operating software, that's a very sufficient way to do tracking as well. But I think that's the huge key is start, start right now, guys, if you don't have things <laughs> yet, or, you know, if you don't typically organize throughout the year, start now. All right. That's my, that's my goal for next year is to be organized. Cause I, I've, I've learned through the years to, to start early and, um, try to be organized, but I could definitely do a better job at that. So you, you have answered this same start early, but is there any other tip that you have for small business owners to prep themselves for next year? The organization and seeking advice when you really need it. Because you want to work in your zone of genius. You know, if you are a health coach and that's what you're passionate about, that's what you want your focus on. So that's why I say seek advice for things that you aren't passionate about and you're not an expert in. Well, thank you, Allison, so much for joining us and doing this really helpful episode. I am going to go get an accordion file today so I can start prepping myself for next year. And if you want to learn more about Allison and Castle Health Coach, go to www.castlehealthcoach.com. Thanks for tuning in to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. For more information on our programs, please go to www.healthcoachinstitute.com. Comment and share if you like what you hear.